Hey legends, welcome along to Skim Me Up Body. We're getting into Season 1 of Star Trek Discovery. This is Episode 2. This episode is called The Battle of the Binary Stars. I like this show in a major, major way. I've said it before and I'll say it again on the show here. Um, when it comes to Star Trek, uh, when it, you know, whenever you're hitting that balance between the old shows and the new shows, you're going to fall either way. For me, I'm kind of in the middle ground, but you know, there's something about the classic shows that's just hard to beat. And uh, you know what? I had my doubts when Discovery was announced, but for the most part, in uh, season one, absolutely enjoyed this so much. Season two had its high point for me. Um, season three, need to watch that a little bit more. Uh, with more detail, I should say. But, you know, for the most part, I'm on board for the new Star Trek shows. Um, definitely looking forward to Strange New Worlds. I think we're on to a good thing with that series. So I'm dying to see that. But anyway, um, another little chat here about the Battle of the Binary Stars. Now, for the most part in this episode, it is uh, pretty much the... Uh, things go to shit <laughs> in a major way for the Federation and uh, Michael Burnham in particular at the end of the last episode of course we've seen her making the decision to uh, turn against her captain Philippa Georgiou played by Michelle Yu. absolutely wonderful this woman I was kind of gutted that uh she was taken out in this episode, but uh, as we continue on through the series, we do get uh, Philippa back, though not in the way you were kind of hoping for. Um, her character was so, so good in these opening two episodes. Uh, the woman is fantastic. So we get, at the beginning, a little reminder of how episode one finished off. The Klingons pretty much turned up and they, the Shenzhou was uh, facing off against what they found out in this episode to be 24 Klingon ships, which is indeed the, the number of Klingon houses. And uh, Michael tries to make the uh, case that, you know, 24 houses, 24 ships, you know, it's not a coincidence. Somebody is trying to align the empire against the federation but uh she has turned on her captain she is uh uh she has shut on her own doorstep essentially she has mutinied against the federation and uh philippa remands her into the brig at the beginning of the episode now we get a flashback of uh Michael been brought to the Shanzu, uh, if I'm even saying the name of the ship properly. <laughs> she was brought to the ship by Sarek seven years earlier. Uh, the backstory for Michael is her family was killed in a Klingon attack. And Sarek took her in and brought her up as 
his own daughter, essentially. Now, I do believe I said it in the episode one review here, you know, people went off and one. I was talking to a guy whenever this was first aired, and, you know, he's like, oh, this is bullshit. He's like, you know, we've never heard tell this girl before, or Spock never had a sister or whatnot. I'm just like, just because you haven't heard of her doesn't mean she was there, wasn't there. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, these people can do whatever the hell they want when they're writing these shows. They own it. It's theirs. Stop complaining. Watch it if you enjoy it. Fine, if not, that's all good too. But <laughs> I don't know how I ended up going down that road. But uh, we get to see a little bit of the relationship building between Michael and Philippa in this flashback and combining that with the, uh, you know, in the first contact between the two of them, Michael had this. Uh, Vulcan wall built up around her of you know just pure logic and whatnot, and she was very, very unemotional. And uh, within a few minutes of being with Philippa, she was able to say something that uh, kind of cracked that wall slightly, very, very quickly. And uh, then we skip over to present day. Philippa has a gun pointed at Michael, and she's you know. Telling the officers, you know, take her to the brig. You know, she rhymes out everything that she's done. You've attacked a superior officer. You've put your ship in jeopardy and whatnot. And uh, this is mutiny. And uh, you can see in Philippa's face the, the heartbreak, really, at having to do this to a, a woman that she really did consider to be like a daughter to her. So... You know, excellent storytelling, but, you know, the better part of this episode is the the standoff between the, the Klingon fleet, essentially, and they're uh, kind of fighting among each other for a bit because of uh, Takuvma's use of the beacon to call them up in the first place, which was prophesied to be used to unite the Klingon Empire. Takuvma is of a disgraced house, and the house of core leader Call refuses to listen to him, especially given his acceptance of outcast like Vok. It's like everybody on this ship is like the this main ship. Uh, you know, it's it's one of these. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe this here ship. It's, it is a Klingon vessel, but it's one of these uh, ships that was really, really uh, built originally from what we could see throughout the episode to really lean onto the, the kind of their religious side of the Klingon society. Uh, this thing is covered on on the outside of it, it has Klingons die. They're put into this casket, coffin, whatever you want to call it. And they're actually put onto the the outer of the ship's hull. Uh, so the ship is like, you know, it's 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 defended by the the dead bodies 
of Klingons. It's it's crazy. It's it's a it's a great you know way of showing when these people are you know dedicated to a cause, just how far they're willing to go for it, and uh, you know visually it's absolutely fantastic. But anyway, uh, this ship is full of outcasts. Takuma. He pleads with the other leaders to join him in fighting the United Federation of Planets, who he says intends to destroy their species individuality. Uh, Vok actually gets up into the conversation as well, and he's the one that really does start to sway a lot of the leaders, helping the Kuvma. And they predict that the reinforcements for the Shanzu will soon arrive, and they will announce that they come in peace. Uh, and when these come to pass, the other leaders agree to fight. They, that's the thing, uh, they're very, very smart in how they're selling themselves here to the other Klingon houses. Uh, you've heard it countless times in Star Trek. Well, I wouldn't actually say countless. It's uh, maybe not as much as with this episode lead you to believe it is but you know uh, Starfleet does have the tendency to say we come in peace and these guys Takuma and Vok they're you know selling themselves on that note that that is the the war cry essentially it's the big lie of the Federation you know they say they come in peace but they're going to come and take our individuality so whenever Starfleet does arrive, uh, you've got a whole bunch of ships on the one side and a whole bunch of ships on the other side facing off. And uh, it's only a matter of time before the fight starts. Now, there's a lot of stuff going on in both ships throughout the standoff. And it's something that uh, I've always enjoyed from shows like Star Trek and, you know, you could... You could point towards perhaps maybe Star Wars as well, whenever you're saying that. There's a level of honour when it comes to the fight and these shows. Like nobody is... You know, the fact that they spend so long face-to-face without a single shot being fired in this episode is a, a testament to uh, honour, not just in the the Federation side, but the, the Klingon side as well. You know, they're ready to slit each other's fruits, but when it comes to the crunch, you know, it's, uh, it takes a bit of time for it to happen. Uh, that's something that's been alive and well throughout these shows that I don't think has been really touched on a lot, but whenever you actually sit down and watch the shows and really look at it and what's happening and and you, you think to yourself there's so many times where this one faction could have took the other faction out but uh, the the thing that really is going to make it happen hasn't happened yet so nobody's going to make a move on it until it does happen and uh, the Klingons do uh, fire first and the uh, Federation take off as well when the fight starts in this episode it is visually 
so so good uh the starfleet ships take heavy fire the shanzu is almost destroyed it's crippled very very quickly on the fight but it's saved by the arrival of admiral brett anderson and the uss europa and you know he lands on he's going to take charge of the whole situation and uh Takuvma agrees to a ceasefire with Anderson, but then sends his ship that's hidden with a cloaking device to ram and destroy the, the Europa. Uh, the Europa, in a last ditch attempt to take this thing out, hits the self destruct. You know, I'm really, really skimming the surface right here of this episode. It's so worth watching. There's a Throughout this fight, throughout this battle, everything that's happening, Michael Burnham, she's on the, the brig, and uh, one of the officers from the bridge in the first volley uh, gets almost knocked unconscious, and he's sent to the the medical bay, but he comes to the brig instead, and he's disoriented, and Michael's trying to help him, you know, go see the doctor, get yourself sorted out. And he's like, no, you need to be on the bridge. And she's like, I can't be on the bridge. Now I'm just, I've mutinied against my captain. So, uh, the, something that you've seen slightly on a lot of Star Trek and really not as, probably not as well as you see it in this one here is the, the, the force fields that hold the ship together whenever there's a breach. And, uh, you know, we have seen it a few times, but it's, that's so well done in this episode. Whenever this guy's talking to her outside the the prison cell, of course she's behind an energy field. There's an explosion. She gets knocked unconscious. Well, fairly close to being unconscious. And uh, when she gets up, everything outside the energy barrier is gone. You can just see space and the ships outside fighting with each other there's a huge huge section that the Shanzu gets blown out on the saucer section and she's stuck in this energy field and uh, it's crazy and uh, she actually and something that I, I thought was great in this episode was the way she eventually gets herself out of the the cell and the brig she is a long way away from a door that she can, she could get to. Only there's no atmosphere outside now, saying as the ship has been, a chunk has been blown out of it, and she has to use her intelligence against the computer on the ship to uh, and using ethical subroutines to get the computer to open a little hole in the energy field. Uh, which will shoot her like a torpedo across to this other door. And uh, it's the way that she works it out is brilliantly done. And that little section of her shooting across this other door in the computer because she has basically used, you know, everything she's learned in Vulcan. They just, you know, this is the logical thing to do here. You know, open this here. I'll die. So ethically, you're going to have to open the door to save me. And the computer agrees, and we go through with it. And she shoots across. The computer opens the door, and she's safe. 
Um, the Europa, of course, uh, self-destructs to try and take out the ship, which doesn't work. The ship is flipping huge compared to the Starfleet ships. And uh, Takuvma proclaims himself uh, Kailash. Well, my notes are a little bit wrong here. Uh, Kailash is the the deity, well, not the deity, but you know, the, the, when it comes to the spiritual side of the Klingons, it's this guy, Kailash, that they're all fallen and whatnot. He's like the, the Messiah for the Klingons, essentially, and Takuvma kind of proclaims himself on a same, similar level to him. Uh, allow, he allows the rest of the Starfleet vessels to escape as messengers of his, you know, strength and power and whatnot. And he sends, and he tells the other Klingon leaders to head back to Kronos to, when he attends to their dead. And, you know, as a leader, he is definitely one of these guys that, you know, for someone that's in that role, he does it well. He does it extremely well, especially in the spiritual side of things with the Klingons. Like at the end of this fight, which is amazing by the way, uh, there's hundreds of dead Klingon bodies floating about in space. And he commands that the the Klingons begin to tractor beam them back into the ship and he's going to uh, attend to them, you know, their, their Klingon funeral service and put them into their, their coffins and again take these guys out because the, the highest honour for a Klingon is to die in battle. So these guys that have died in this fight are all going to be uh, getting the highest of the ceremony and uh, put onto their coffins and of course put onto the outer shell of the ship as like a, a physical shell more or less or a physical shield of bodies and uh, in the damaged Shanzu Burnham escapes the brig of course we already went through that there uh, Sarek actually I forgot about this Sarek actually comes to her while she's in the cell and uh, like I'm intergalactic mind meld and we discover that at one point in the past uh, Michael almost died in another attack and to save her Sarek did a mind meld with her and actually give her a piece of his Katra. Uh of course we learned about that there with Star, Star Trek 2 and 3 whenever you know Spock died saving the Enterprise and you know, before he went they grabbed hold of McCoy and grabbed hold of his face and remember so you know that's all brought back in here the, the, the dive and the classic stuff from the shows like everything that's what I enjoy about this there's there's quite a bit of fan service on here as well and there's a lot of stuff on there for the, the diehards and uh, yes so uh, he has a a chat with her, and he's kind of like, you know, I'm not disappointed in you, more or less, but I'm just, um, he's more or less disgusted at a waste, a waste of talent, more or less, you know, what the hell are you doing to break yourself out there and sort this shit out, you know, and he's, uh, 
being trying to be as encouraging as I can be for being a, a Vulcan. But uh yes, so anyway, after she gets out, she gets back to the bridge, uh, after everything has went down, the whole fight's gone down, the the Federation's took huge, huge losses and the the Klingons have not retreated but they've been sent off to spread the word that the Klingons now are united once more under Takuvma. So uh Michael convinces uh Philippa to uh take Takuvma hostage if possible. Uh Philippa uh, was her idea at this point was to take a little craft that would get through the the sensors and it was something small enough that the Klingon sensors wouldn't pick up and she was actually going to take a, a warhead and uh, take a, a ram at their ship uh, sacrificing her own life to disable this ship as best they can but uh, while they're debating this and what they're going to do uh, Michael's like you know the worst thing we could probably do right here now is kill this guy to Kuvma because if we do that we're going to murder him and you know that's something that we will not get back from you know this will give the Klingon something to really really fight for a martyr like if we could take him prisoner uh, you know we make him a, a symbol of defeat more or less and you know, she has her head screwed on when it comes to the Klingons, but the way everything's gone down in the last episode and this one is it's just not going her way at all. Uh, when they realise that the Klingons are actually tractoring their dead back onto the ship, they put a photon torpedo, uh, pretty much beam it onto one of the dead Klingons' body, uh, and that body is brought up into the ship they detonate the, the torpedo and pretty much break the neck of Takuvma's ship Burnham and uh, Georgiou they beam across to the ship and attack Burnham fights off Valk uh, but Philippa is killed by Takuvma Burnham fatally shoots Takuvma uh, before being transported back to the Shanzu. Uh, that, for me, her reaction in this final confrontation of the episode, you know, uh, after everything has gone on between the two of them, Michael and Philippa, uh, they pretty much patch up their differences and they're fighting shoulder to shoulder. At the end of the episode, it's almost like a mother-daughter sort of a deal they've got going on uh, during the fight. As I say, uh, Philippa gets killed by Takuvma and uh, Michael shoots at him and fatally shoots him. He's, he's dead. He's very close to death. But uh, she's calling the retreat more or less are the the Shanzu is you know we've lost the, the captain's life signs and Michael doesn't want to return to the ship without our captain. You know, they haven't got a track on her life signs, they can't transport her back. Uh 
But Michael knows if she can physically make contact with the woman and be holding her when transport happens for her, it'll take both bodies across. But uh, before she can get a chance to do that, she's transported back to the ship and her reaction, she drops to her knees in the transporter pad and starts to scream and cry. It's very good. And you know, for all the, the hit that... Uh, Discovery has gotten, you know, it's very well done. I think it's far better done than I was expecting whenever it was first brought out. Um, on the Klingon ship, Vok promises the Dayan Takuvma that he'll be remembered for his services to the Klingons, and uh, he's going to continue the fight for him as the, the, the torchbearer. Uh, at the end of the episode, Burnham is court-martialed and uh, you know for mutiny and basically she's sentenced to life in prison so uh, that's where we, we end off the episode she's standing in front of the tribunal and she's she's devastated that everything that she was brought up to believe everything that she stands for she pretty much has thrown away you know or our ships in ruins, or our crew is lost, and our captain's dead, more or less. So she's she's a broken woman by the end of this episode, and uh, very very good two part opener to the series. So let me see now what else have we got here as far as uh, we got here. Um, I'm just looking at some of the notes that have been brought up here. Uh, not so much really to say beyond that other than, you know, it's, and I still can't believe it was all the way back in 2017 this originally came out. It's just, it does not seem that long at all. <sighs> Time is flying, guys. It's flipping scary. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for this episode. Um, If you haven't gotten on to star trek discovery uh, uh give it a go give it a go it's it's taken a bit of a bashing in the later seasons for some of the now this isn't me speaking i'm just i'm just talking about what i know what i've heard from other things other sources online people have been giving it death for the the PC culture of it. Let's just put it that way. There was now, in all fairness, in season three, if memory serves correctly, now, forgive me, but at the stage this was out on Netflix. Unfortunately, we've lost that now in the UK on Netflix. So I'm having to go through the box set here. I actually bought the box set of it just for this podcast alone. They do actually have uh, a conversation in season three. It's basically the pronoun conversation that we're, we're hearing so much of pretty much everywhere online now. And it's about, you know, the way this person identifies and the way she wants people to address her. Like, they actually have that conversation in the show. Now, I don't care where you stand at 
on the subject, for me, fine. I honestly couldn't care less. You know, if somebody walked up to me tomorrow morning and say, I identify as a tree, I'm just thinking, you know, fair play to you. You do you, big man. It was just... But... You know, people have given abuse for that. But, you know, Star Trek has never, ever shied away from throwing little things, I guess, here onto their their shows. Like, there, there was always, throughout the classic series, Star Trek, The Next Generation, you name it, there was some sort of big world political thing that's been wrapped up inside a, a science fiction story somewhere along the line that has just been, you know... Gene Roddenberry was a, a genius for the most part. Now, there's a few episodes in the original series where uh, when we get to it, you'll see what I mean. I think it's probably the last episode of season three. There's something in there. I'm trying to remember. I'm really trying to pick it out of the back of my mind. It's just, there's something in there that uh, I think at one point... He actually came back to it in an interview or something and said he was, uh, you know, he's a. He, I don't know if he apologised or not, but he, he admitted that the, the content was a little bit, you know, ill conceived, let's just say, when it came to the, its delivery. But uh, for the most part, if he wanted to talk about something political or whatever it may be, something to do with the world, something going on, you know, slavery, you name it, uh, he would have dealt with it in a way that, you know, a lot of those taboo subjects, whenever it came to TV shows, back then was just like, you know, if it came to the network, and you're like, I want to do an episode on such and such, Chances are the network would have shut it down, say no, we can't do that because it's too political, it's too this, it's too that. We don't like it. This whole thing of been afraid to offend people isn't new. It's always been about. It's just more to the, the forefront now because people are just getting offended at absolutely everything. And I'm pretty sure somebody listening to this episode will get offended at what I said about somebody identifying as a tree. You know, just slide on, do your own thing. That's okay. Just let me do me. But. uh Yes, he would have took whatever he wanted to talk about and he would have wrapped it up inside a nice little science fiction story and uh, presented it in a way that was, you know, the subject would be about something extremely serious but it wouldn't be too on the nose because it was, instead of it being maybe a race of people on the planet Earth and history, you know, say, I don't know, let's just take the, the Second World War, you know, if he wanted to do a storyline that was based around that there, he wouldn't be, you know, making a story about, uh, say, uh, British against Germans or, you know, Americans against Germans, whatever it may be. We all know what the Second World War was. He would have done that same storyline, only he would have put it between, like, the Federation of Planets against the Klingons or the Romulans or something like that there, and because it was two alien cultures or whatever, it was more acceptable. 
in the eyes of the public. So we know it's it's not a new thing. That's always been there at the heart of Star Trek in some way, shape or form. It's why the show has lasted so long, guys. Like the first shows were out in the sixties, for goodness sake. And it's still going strong. That's one of the longest running science fiction shows on TV at this point. Um I'm not even sure if uh you could, well, I suppose Doctor Who technically could be probably longer. I'm not going to come up to saying which one's longer, which one is older or not. Uh, they're both very long running TV shows, and it's all down to the storytelling and the way that's done at the end of the day. And uh, Doctor Who could be one for a random Saturday episode in this podcast. Hmm. Let me know what you think. Anyway, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it, and I'll be back on Thursday to do some more of the original series. Take care of yourselves, and stay safe. Okay, I need to stop pressing the wrong button at the end of this ep- at the end of these episodes. Guys, stay safe, and I'll talk to you in the next one. This has been a production of Coins Age Media. Thank you so much for listening. 